Good afternoon, guys. What's going on? I'm just going to share the room one more time, and then we'll get started. Hopefully, everyone's doing well. It's 2 p.m. New York time, Friday, one into the weekend. One moment. All right. So I'll give you guys a second to uh, join in, and then we'll get started. Thank you for joining. Uh, every week I do these call-ins. Call-ins a great platform. Um, I've been working with Colin now for feels like the last two three months now. Uh, I do a show every week. Sometimes I do two shows, um, but it's great. If you if you miss a show, if you you hop on late. All these are recorded. Uh, there is a uh, web page that is dedicated to to my show now. So um, if you want to listen to any of the older episodes, those are all up and archived. Uh, and now this is available to not only Apple users, but Android users as well. And I think that you could tune in from the desktop. So plenty of exposure right now. Great platform. Uh, I prefer this over Twitter spaces. All right. So We'll get started in a second. I think we have a decent amount of people that have that have joined. Um, so for those of you that are new, my name is Ryan, also known as Cannery Clark on Twitter. Uh, I am primarily a crypto market trader. Um, I have a legacy trading background, uh, but these are open discussions. Like I always say, you know, we talk about anything. Markets can get kind of boring from time to time, so we'll talk about anything as long as it doesn't. Uh, doesn't stray into religion or politics. Uh, but these are, again, they're open. Talk about a few points in the beginning just to sort of, uh, you know, lube up the gears. And then from there, it's basically an AMA. So I don't want to take too much time. I have an hour today. Um, hope that all of you are going to be enjoying your weekend and, and getting some time away from the market. Uh, the market actually, you know, has been somewhat enjoyable recently, but uh, I do say that it is enjoyable, but it's also, um, it uh, it is it's a time suck. I mean, there was a period of time where it felt like I was able to actually get away from the computer and do things outside of the market. Uh, and it feels like in the last week that has um, has taken a change. But it's good because the markets are actually moving now uh, and they appear to be more of a trending environment than a range-bound environment. You know, we have obviously um, significant breaks in market structure across the board, uh, and we were stuck within, for the most part, we were stuck within ranges uh, in a lot of the pairs, primarily BTC and ETH for the last quarter. So this is good. Um, just some, some points that I think we could touch on. Uh, obviously, you know, BTC has seen a pullback um, I went uh, I went risk off for a short period of time. Uh, I want to see that 45k holds. Um, the trouble with losing 45k, and this is the reason why I sort of went risk off and and slept on that, and then this morning uh, put back on risk around 45.5, is because below 45k, um, accepting back within the prior range, it's not like we have anything but a series of marginally higher lows. So you have this sort of situation where it's possible to see a very sharp sort of cascade like move down because the structure is not really 
Um, it is not really built in in a way that you would say that it is really significant from a support standpoint. You know, the support level should arguably be where we are finding ourselves right now. So, you know, basically 45K, 45.5, um, this general region, the top side of a previous range, right? So we were stuck within a range for the last quarter, the top side of that structure that had rejected us, you know, four or five times before. So losing that, I just think things can get, uh, you know, a little bit dicey. Um, and it could mean, you know, a move that, that takes us from 44 or five down to, you know, 42 in a very, you know, very short amount of time. So <clears throat> I'd rather at that point, you know, step out, reevaluate, try to, um, try to take some short-term trades, catch a knife or two, uh, and then either, you know, reestablish, or this was before this morning, look to reestablish risk higher on a reclaim, which we did. Um, or lower if uh, structure was going to be developing. The thing to point out is that uh, Bifinex, which is not you know uh, a leading exchange in terms of price discovery, volume, or open interest, uh, but it is sort of home to the whales. Um, they haven't been wrong with. Uh, they haven't been. There hasn't been a time where they put up a significant wall, whether it's a the limit wall in the bid uh, or the or the offer and have not been filled. This could just be a function of variance, right, and happenstance um, that they've been correct thus far. Uh, but in this small sample size that we do have, uh, they were filled at the lows once before, they were filled up at the highs, right? Price moved all the way up to around 48 something. I remember saying that, you know, I, we might not get up to 48, but you could assume with a, a high degree of certainty that we would at least cover half of their offers. I think we covered them completely. Um, and now we have what looks like sort of the same type of, of bid wall structure from 44 down to 40. So I, I think that we, we could see higher prices into April CPI, which is essentially March's CPI. Um, but, you know, there's a possibility of us coming out, you know, coming down and testing these lows and, and even lower again. Um, if we assume that Whoever is placing those orders uh, is going to remain consistently on the right side of the market um, and, and get their fills again. Uh, could be psyops, right? Could be a bunch of things. It, into this low, um, what we saw was there was a significant increase in open interest. Uh, so Binance specifically was responsible for a majority of that. So there was a lot of selling into this low, at, you know, and for good reason, right? It, it looks like, again, we were accepting back within a range. You know, we covered the the gap that I had posted, um, single print gap. I said, you know, this isn't going to be a bottom. That was around 45, 6, maybe I said, ah, this isn't going to be the bottom. You know, we're going to be going lower. We have a gap down to 45. We covered that gap. And again, it just looks, when you're sitting below that structure and the lead up was a sort of 45 degree angle ramp with without much significant structure established all the way from, you know, this is like all the way from 39 up to 44.7. The longer you hang out in that area, the the more likely it is that you're going to sort of cascade quickly down through. So into that level, there is a significant amount of open interest um, that was more than likely due to aggressive sellers, right? So aggressive on the short side. Right? There's always a buyer, you know, buyer for every seller, but um, aggressive sellers into that that were clearly absorbed, and now we're you know in the process of squeezing them out. Market as a whole, you know, there were some things that were kind of going that were, I guess, complementary of 
maybe expecting uh, more of a dip, um, just happening sort of at the right time. Uh, equities, for example, pretty ugly move yesterday into the close, but it was quarter end, right? So you have rebalancing, you have quarter end flows. Um, Thursdays, you know, Thursdays are actually a pretty poor day um, for BTC in the last few months. So you have a, you know, you have legacy selling, you have what has been statistically a pretty poor day in, ter in terms of returns for BTC on its own. Um, and then there were some other things that I think were, they were, they were negative, right? So, or they've been spun negatively in the past. And, and those are with respect to, uh, or that is rather with respect to some dinosaur altcoins that were pumping um, that are really, you know, for the most part, you know, we joke around, we joke about altcoins being shit coins and a lot of them being mostly vaporware. Um, but you have things that were just completely off the radar for a really long period of time, like really old projects, you know, shaking off the dust and putting in very significant moves to the upside. Um, and these are very thin pairs, so it's not hard to create a trend. Um, if you're, you know, we, we know in the past that projects have sort of uh, colluded with market makers to help them distribute and help them, you know, uh, sort of get out and, with an exit pump. And this happens basically every cycle. So it's not, this is not like, uh, you know, conspiracy. This is pretty well known. And, and a market that is not that regulated, you could imagine that this would be a lot more prevalent. Um, but the possibility of it occurring would be there'd be a high probability that it would occur in this market over one that was obviously more heavily regulated. So all these things kind of adding up together didn't look necessarily good. And this is at a time when the market is beginning to lose market structure that was you know, deemed to be very significant. But now we're back above all that. It looks like equities are they finding a footing. I think that there be there will be some interesting things to focus on going, that sentence was all fumbled. Uh, there will be some interesting details to focus on going into um, March CPI release, which is in uh, it's April 12th. Um, and that will be one, are we able to up until that point hold the 200 day moving average for equities? So again, 200 day moving averages, I mentioned this before, that's a pretty significant line in the sand in terms of uh, equity market liquidity because you have CTAs and systematic trend followers that are you know normally a significant amount of flows in the market or they represent a significant portion of the flows uh, that's their step in and step out point um, though cta positioning until recently even back above this level it, it definitely seems like there's a there's a lot less participation across the board um, but either way it's, it is a very significant line in the sand for equities you do see you do see, do see a significant drop off in liquidity when we when we lose it, and then when we reclaim it, you see again the market sort of you know they thicken up a bit. Um, so holding that into CPI, that would be you know a positive uh, you know a sign of strength. And then more specifically, you know the the response to CPI I think will be the most telling, right? That's an opportunity where we will more than likely see negative news. Um, and how the market positions itself, repositions itself, repositions itself in light of negative news, especially if it is beyond expectations, uh, will be again. That'll be a significant sign of whether or not the markets are are strong, or whether you know if it's a negative response, we'll, we'll know right away whether they're weak. So, I think this is a, still very important to focus on because 
you know, while it has seemed like BTC has sort of led and there are these idiosyncratic flows right now and, you know, markets are moving independently of one another, that's not the case, right? If we look at it, uh, if we sort of go through with a fine tooth comb, uh, what we could see is that actually the, the correlation has not uh, abated really. It's been there. Um, markets right now are moving up, not on their own, right? Equity markets saw, I think it was like the most significant uh, performance in an 11 day period. I, I can't recall exactly. These kind of uh, statistics are kind of useless, but um, you know, very significant uh, move by equities in the last two weeks. And crypto has just, it basically responded um, as, as high beta would, right? High, high beta would to something that it is, you know, strongly correlated to. And it, it was referenced in um, uh, in Arthur Hayes' article last night. I, I don't, I didn't know this offhand. The correlation is around a 0.8. So, you know, that's a very strong positive correlation between ETH and the S&P. It might have been ETH and, and the S&P or ETH and the NQ. You know, the BTC and the and the Russell were very correlated. BTC and it, you know the in order of correlation, I believe it's uh, the Russell, the NQ, so the Nasdaq. Um, and the S&P 500 and I'll, you know, constantly be referencing the ES in respect to, you know, in, instead of or rather in lieu of the S&P 500, just in case anyone ever gets confused and they see me talking about the ES or, you know, the E-mini futures contract, that's obviously that's around the S&P 500. So um, crypto hasn't moved independently. Uh, we're in a risk on environment. Um, now, a couple things to point out, risk on environment, things were very oversold. Uh, there is a significant amount of hedging into these lows. So the unwinding of that hedging, so the unwinding of those futures contracts by options dealers is going to help. So it's going to act as a tailwind for equities. Um, so anything that's a tailwind for equities is by proxy a tailwind for crypto at this point when the correlation is high. And then another detail, hopefully I don't forget this, I am just riffing. Um, another detail worth focusing on is you had oversold conditions, you had the, yeah, so oversold conditions, um, dealer hedges unwinding, um, and then you just have beta, highly correlated beta. Something to point out, um, right now we are going into, we're going into the next rate hike, obviously that'll be in, that's in May. Um, and the markets have rebounded significantly. So Powell is gonna be looking at the markets and he's not gonna, think that, you know, if we go into that period and we're still sort of on the up and up, it's not going to look like a market that can't handle, you know, a, possibly a surprise increase, right? Or it, or at least can't handle a 50 basis point, um, 50 basis point hike. So, it, you know, in one way, it's like the market performing well sets us up for more negativity, Right, if, if that makes sense, um, because the market looks sort of conditioned to weather any kind of, you know, um, uh, anything that the Fed can throw us throw at us, it's negative. The, the market looks like it's in better condition to sort of weather that. Um, so I think that kind of touches on everything that I wanted to touch on. Things look good right now, so long as we're holding above the top side of the range. ETH looks really strong. I think that a significant amount of ETH's positioning right now is due to sort of this carry-on effect and momentum that, honestly, Arthur, his article had created. And it's probably repositioning between what, what money is already, you know, allocated out of those projects now into ETH. So I think we're seeing a little bit of a momentum trade right now. 
Um, I don't necessarily think that that has brought in like new outside capital. This market is really easy to, I think, invoke the idea of new money coming in, but really it's just repositioning from within. Um, and, you know, Arthur is someone who is sort of a, he is, he does serve as uh, Arthur Hayes, right? So the, the ex-head of uh, BitMEX Exchange. He is a signaling mechanism for the market um, and for a lot of the significant players in this market. Um, so I think that we're seeing that strength right now. Uh, his case for ETH uh, was obviously very compelling and I'm, I stand behind it as well. I think that ETH is going to probably outperform BTC within the next two years. I don't think that that story is going to change. I think that, you know, with you know, your BTC maxi, you kind of have to um, take your medicine on that one that ETH has outperformed. Um, they are vying for different spots, right, in the future. So uh, other than that, I think the other detail that I want to touch on, which is something that is outside of my, I guess, um, my realm with respect to, you know, my ability to talk on it in depth, is the EU obviously cracking down on unhosted wallets and requiring, you know, KYC. And I think this obviously has a ways to go before it is actually implemented, but I don't think uh, that things are going to change with this respect, or rather with respect to this. I think that this is the way that things are going. Um, and really it's just one of those things where you have to, you know, it's requiring people to, or rather, you know, developers to, you know, some developers innovate faster than they regulate. Um, but I don't think that we're going to, I think that this is going to be the trend, right? This is, this is the sort of hill that we're going to be battling on for the next, uh, you know, for the next few months, right? Um, so. Other than that, I want to open it up and uh, get some questions. Brian, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, man? Can you hear me? Sorry, I didn't uh, press a button fully. Oh, hey. Yeah, how's it going? Hey, how are you? Not bad. Um, so, yeah, I want to touch on the whole uh, correlation thing. So, I was going to say this a little tongue-in-cheek, but can we almost like throw out like the Bitcoin chart and the, you know, the levels and all this stuff, if it's just going to be correlated to the S and P like, you know, obviously not, but like, you know, people got a little like freaked out about like the levels that were lost yesterday, but it kind of made sense that the S and P was going to pull back the last couple of days. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, it say like we lost some key levels and the chart didn't look good losing uh market structure and all that, but the S and P starts ripping. It almost kind of like, rip, like throws it out the window a little bit. Yeah, I mean, um, I wouldn't focus too much. I, I don't think like most people should be focusing on it too much. I think you should always sort of have an idea of where you sit at any given moment. Um, and I think that what that means for most people is they're probably better off just like recognizing where the VIX is, honestly, um, and, and recognizing what that means for the current environment, uh, what that means for liquidity for crypto, um, you know, how much risk they should be taking in any given moment, right? If we're in a, if we're in an environment where the VIX is over 30 versus, you know, the VIX was down at 18, um, that should sort of uh, dictate, I guess, your approach in that period. But I think that, you know, to try to keep track of the S&P and then trade BTC around it, I don't think that's necessarily a good idea. I think that you're getting, um, you're basically getting uh, redundant signals at that point. I think that, you know, knowing that the correlation is strong, most people are better off just focusing on on Bitcoin and responding to what Bitcoin's doing rather than getting sort of, you know, with with indicators, it would be something referred to as as like multicollinearity, um, getting basically the same type of feedback uh, from two different sources. So you really could just do away with one. 
I, I think though that it is important to recognize like, oh, okay, you know, we are in a sort of an environment right now where equities are, you know, looking strong or over the 200 day, um, you know, again, some, some points that I sort of touched on with regard to um, systematic trend followers and CTAs. And, and th this is like, this is common knowledge. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that this is exactly how they're operating, but just uh, empirically, you see that when the markets are above or below the 200 day, there are you know changes in, in terms of liquidity providers, changes in terms of market depth for equities. Um, so I think it pays to sort of be mindful of, of these details. When the correlation is really strong though, I, I honestly, I think that you could get a little bit lost by like keeping both charts up and trying to keep track of, you know, both of them at the same time, rather than just like sticking to trading, uh, trading the one asset, right? Trading BTC, you know, the correlation might be really strong, but you know, there might be varying levels of participation um, at different, you know, areas on the chart with BTC with respect to the ES. So, you know, you might have a situation where there is, um, you know, so for example, like this morning earlier on, you had the S&P that was uh, beginning to deviate from, you know, you had the S&P deviating from BTC with regards to price action, but it looked like there was still uh, a little bit of forceful sort of pushing around that was taking place in BTC because there was a significant amount of open interest that had sort of accumulated at the low. So it was almost like, okay, the correlation is strong, but right now it looks like the priority is by, you know, one entity or, or a series of entities or just the market sort of being privy to this, the priority is to try to push BTC up because there is sort of a bounty on this open interest, right? We know how that happens in this market. Like when it's very obvious that someone is in a poor position, the market sort of seeks that, you know, seeks that out and tries to, you know, take the other side of the trade and lean on that person or that entity or whatever. Um, so that took place. And I think that that's an example of like, if you were looking at the S&P, you'd be like, Oh man, like the S&P is dripping towards the lows right now. Like, let me, let me sell BTC. And the reality was there was a whole, there was a, a for the short term, there was a different um, trade taking place on BTC, right? So you still had that sort of pushing, uh, pushing against those shorts and whoever was poorly positioned at the low, which um, most of it, most of the increase um, in terms of uh, open interest that, that occurred, I believe that occurred around um i just lost a chart right now but that occurred around like 45 five and below so i think that was a case where you would have you know it's just it's a reminder like don't focus too much on the s p just sort of keep in mind like how equities are looking as a whole because you know if they do begin to lose major levels right you don't want to stick your head in the sand at that point and like act like you know this is going to be the moment that when you're in a long like uh, the decoupling is going to take place so it is the exception for them to deviate recently. It is not the norm, um, but it, you know, again, depending on your trading and, and what kind of approach you have, you know, if you're a short-term trader, like just trade BTC. I like, don't um, get lost, like looking back and forth at what's taking place uh, in the S&P. Yeah. Um, and I think like for, from like an intraday standpoint, it definitely makes sense. Um, but like if, if the stock market uh, like didn't, you know, I think a lot of people are expecting like a crash in the stock market, quite honestly. Um, if like that didn't happen, but Bitcoin sort of drifted downwards, like I, I feel like Bitcoin going down, people would assume like it's all over. But I can see a scenario where like the S&P rips and like Bitcoin follows it. You know what I mean? I guess for on like a longer, like a longer time frame. Well, I think like at this point, um, I said this uh, like in a couple different ways and it 
and it implied different, it, well, put it this way. I think that post-March 2020, everything is different. I think you could throw out like historical relationships and historical norms and moving forward. I think that the, that BTC is, I think it's like a tech stock, honestly, like it has cool narratives, right? And I think that that's one of the benefits that BTC has is that it does have like all these different masks that it could put on because then, you know, by just by definition, when you have more narratives, right? Um, you have a larger sample of potential buyers and you could always sort of drift from one narrative to the next and that's great. Um, it's kind of silly to say that, but it is kind of like chameleon in that sense, store value, you know, risk asset, Veblen good, whatever, you know, the Hermes bag of, uh, of markets. But I think moving forward, like if you're in a situation where the S&P is ripping, I don't think you're in a situation where BTC doesn't catch up to it after that. Like I just, there's, there's too many legacy types now that are, you know, applying sort of the same mid to higher frequency approaches and high frequency in crypto is nowhere near what high frequency is in legacy, but mid frequency approaches uh, across these markets where, you know, if their book is long, you know, tech, um, they're, you know, they're going to be long crypto or BTC or, you know, what is um, liquid enough, obviously. And I don't think that you're going to see that the, there'll be a case where the S&P does rip up and crypto sort of decouples to the downside. It just, I don't, I don't see that as being a reality moving forward. I think that you're going to see that the, the more dominant feature and behavior that crypto takes on moving forward is going to be that it is uh, like just a higher beta to the S&P. You know, Bitcoin, when, when Bitcoin doesn't have, um, when, so Bitcoin has permission to do really well when S&Ps obviously are looking like they're not on shaky ground. But when S when when Bitcoin when the S and P is somewhat shaky, Bitcoin just trades like a 1.5 to 2x, you know, S and P ETF. So, yeah, and I think that can make the chart look scary at times, um, which is like what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't know. I think that could like scare people off when in reality, like the S and P just might be correcting. Like, I think that's what we saw recently with the S and P. Like, I think it. I think it was like a. I mean, it could be wrong. This could just be like retesting the top and it could crash. But there is a scenario where, like, the S&P makes all-time highs. and Yeah, you know, there definitely is, right? I mean, that's, like, that's why this is so difficult, right? Because the, there is a case for this melting up to the highs and leaving a lot of people sidelined. And then it just – it's happened so many times before where you, you, if you're back up at the highs, you're like, oh, don't. Like, what an idiot. Like, yeah, you know, of course the S&P is going to continue to make all-time highs. But not for nothing, like, that has been – the like dough kind of Homer Simpson moment has been like, oh, of course, don't fade the Fed. You know, the Fed has a lever pulled, like the markets are going to just continue to make all time highs. Everything is a dip worth buying. Um, context is different now, but the same can be said, like for if the market was to break new lows, you know, make new lows, like, of course, we'd be able to say, you know, the inverse, which is, oh, duh, like when the market breaks down the way it did, you know, rallies are going to be really violent. They're going to look really bullish, but you know, a lot of times when you have those sharp responses, they unfold, you know, in just in a very similar sort of opposite violent fashion. So we'll always sure, have yeah. a story to like rationalize it afterward. Um, and that's why the most important thing about trading is like never taking too much risk to where when you're wrong, like you're fucked. Right. So, um, you know, as far like for me, it's like the S&P being above the, the 200 day, you know, market structure looking decent. It, there's a bunch of headwinds, obviously, but the market has sort of overcome these headwinds. The thing about the S&P is there's always a positive future to look towards, right? And, and you have components that are, 
you know, when you, when you have components that are so heavily tech, um, there's always a positive future that can be sort of manifested mentally to look forward to, to price and for people to buy in advance. And there's always, there's always someone at every level in a dip that's looking to get involved. Uh, and the, the lower you go, obviously, the more you're going to find sort of value and, you know, value buyers and, and long-term investors, but um, long-term sort of positive drift over time is, is, is what you're better off betting on, right? Cause you're betting on, when you're betting on the S&P, you're betting on the future of, of people, basically. Um, so if, you, if, you're, if you have long-term bets against it, like your, your future outlook for, for the economy has to be really negative, for society has to be really negative. I mean, that's just my opinion, honestly. So we have a lot of headwinds right now. Um, and, you know, I don't want to get sort of stuck down the rabbit hole thinking like, yeah, like the headwinds, things are going to be bad enough to where, you know, because like one of the things is like, oh, yeah, they're going to get bad, but then, the, you know, the Fed's going to step back in and, you know, fix us. And that's if it's more along the lines now, I think, if we have a situation with credit. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, right now things, uh, they don't look bad. So I'm just sort of, you know, I'm, I'm being optimistic, playing, um, I'm still playing from level to level with BTC because we're still within a range. Like we're in a range for the last year. Like we're not in a trending, we're in like local trends, but we're still in a higher time frame range. So I think it's just pays to sort of be prudent and and um, play at level to level for so, myself at least. So do you think we're in a range until we break uh, like all time high pretty much on Bitcoin? I mean, yeah, technically we are in a range until we break all time Yeah, highs, you know? But like, um, um, but like, do you, I don't know, do you think like this is like a, low time like a like a local uptrend like do you view it differently as like when we were ranging in like you know february i, I mean i don't I, I try not to like i find that like for a while i was overcomplicating my i was like letting my long-term beliefs and my short-term beliefs and my approaches rather sort of um uh get um i guess blurry um i i look at the market as like it's either cheap or it's expensive and you know when it's obviously at the lows of range it's there's a compelling case for it being cheap, you know, in this environment, I think when you look at like how the market cap of gold and, and where BTC is going, you can make a compelling case for it being cheap. Um, I do think that the, I don't think that we're going to new all time highs in like the next couple months. Um, I would be, you know, I would be careful, like, uh, getting too aggressive if we were going to be breaking, if, if we get back up to like, I, I think like 50, 51, 52 is, possibly as far as we can get before we see another, you know, significant pullback completely, you know, could be wrong. But um, I think that this is part of like mean reversion, honestly, but I think we're in a longer term range could be an accumulation range. It looks much more like an accumulation, <laughs> accumulation range in hindsight, like after you break the all time high, but um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're mean reverting. I think we're mean reverting. And I think that we'll mean revert from this. We'll probably test out like 41, 42 again, maybe lower, who knows. But um, I'm not like uh, slamming on the gas pedal, uh, thinking that the market's going to get away from us anytime soon. I looked at it as like, things are cheap. They're getting a little bit more expensive right now, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really not either. Like I'm prepared to like exit a lot of positions this month. Um, like I've had April in mind for a little while. Uh, but I guess for me, it's like I view... I view even a move into like the mid to high fifties, like from where we were is like pretty good. And like, for me that like, I, like, I don't even really need it to go to like all time highs and everything. Like I still consider that like a really good opportunity, especially with like all coins and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think we're like 
going to like 200 K or anything like for sure. So I, I agree with that. Um, yeah. yeah. No, listen, we could overextend. Like if I say 50, I mean, I, a lot of times, like I know that I'm going to be mentally front running an area where price could be because it might print 53 or 54, but I, I want to be able to get out. And chances are, if it, when it prints, you know, when Bitcoin tends to overthrow in both directions, right, it's really reflexive. But what takes place in those further prints is like, it's kind of vacant, right? There's really, it, it's kind of a void. So I, I like to be a little bit more conservative. Um, yeah, especially and, uh, in the... Especially in the like the lower time frame or like not lower, but yeah. Like, you know, we saw we saw like in the fall, we saw our September get like fifty three tag and then we pulled back to forty. So like moves like that are definitely always gonna happen. And I think it's worth like positioning for that. So like I agree with that. But I think even then if like say we pushed up to there, we could pull back, like I think we could go higher from there still. Um Yeah, sure. I, guess... I mean I'm not writing off anything. I mean I've been yeah I've been around long enough to realize that um you should never be surprised by anything. Like if you're surprised, you just haven't been around long enough because especially with BTC, right? Um, so that, I mean, that's just like why it's, it's a matter of like defining really good high probability setups where, you know, they're asymmetric in your favor and not, you know, being upset with missing out on, you know, any kind of one trade or the other because uh, this market, it covers a pretty significant range. I mean, I have my long-term investment in it, but other than that, like it's, there's a lot of great trading opportunities. I think that right now, like we have a little bit more we could put in before, you know, CPI. I don't think we're in like a risk on environment that's going to have legs. Um, I think that things are getting a little bit expensive, especially in the alt sort of alt sphere. So, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, but yeah. All right. That's all I got. So, uh, cool. Have a good weekend. I'll talk to you. Good to talk to you, bro. All right, Doc. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, man? You're still muted. Still muted, Doc. I'll give you a sec. Sometimes uh, there might be a little lag. It's like, I think the button should be for you down at the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. Guy's a doctor and he can't even mute himself. <laughs> What's up? Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, of course. Okay, awesome. So uh, it's based on uh, the market psychology. In, and I think it's a kind of a new pattern that started around summer uh, when we were all expected uh, the Bitcoin to crash uh, behind 30K and the volume was low. And I remember I was talking to you and Jim and other guys and they were all like, yeah, no one is participating in this. And then what happened, in my opinion, was uh, some exchanges pick it up because for exchanges, it's better if we are in bullish condition than 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 the the bearish condition and uh, because it was low and markets was ready they like especially sam in my opinion at that time they push it high and risk as reward was good because market was ready to bounce so in general they kept it bullish and they actually made it to new all-time high and not a really big on-time high but still a good all-time high and also we know that uh, if we are customers for these exchanges and these billionaires, they they have to, from 
after like two, three months of being bearish and, and all the prices going 60, 70% down, they have to, they have to give us something in, and, and keep us excited because who would, who would participate if, if we just go low and low and low? And we know crypto is in general bullish. So, uh, I think what they are doing and the way they, which is, which makes sense because they, they basically buy lower. Also, Duke Juan did the same thing. People were like, why did he announce that he's, he's buying, uh, Bitcoin? It's, in my opinion, it was obvious by his announcement. Most of the bears, they wouldn't, because in, in crypto, no one really, really resists something like that because everyone else is bullish. So you got to get the squeeze and it's going to get higher. So he basically, it was, smart of him to say that he's he's buying so he's basically telling everyone that hey step away we are going higher and and even for for bears i think it's better if you you know you you short it at higher prices and also i think because uh crypto market is maturing uh and it's it's still light you can you can play it that way bit, bit easier than, than than traditional market you cannot do that same thing in traditional market but in crypto because the whole volume is still not that high and the whole participants are not that 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 crazy if you think that like four or five billionaires crypto billionaires they, they just unanimously decide that hey you know what and they all are in, in exchanges too you know what we need some excitement and we need some shiny times and we need some new participants so they're gonna do it which which they are doing it and also even for government, it's it's better if we, me and you and everyone else keep buying and selling and buying and selling because that's also a taxable event. And in general, all of this, in my opinion, is still very, very bullish. It's uh, It started two, three months ago. As you said, we are still ranging. Uh, and as you said, I agree. Then we get to 51 or 52, we we kind of see what happens. Last time, I remember when, when we broke... Uh, summer range and we, we we basically jumped from 30k in, uh, in to 40 and then we started the new trend everyone was like yeah at 47 or at 50 we're gonna stop and we're gonna crash but we we made it to new all-time highs in maybe a couple of months and i i kind of think uh it's 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 a smart way to to look at it to to see what these big monies are doing because again if if Binance and 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 Sam and and uh, Bitfinex and all of them are deciding, which is especially for for me, you are one of the best because you not only following it but you also are on point and you are saying it that yeah you are they are doing this and that. But it's all kind of a market play, and it's all kind of a, a, a in a way it's a game because we both know that we are we are trending up past two three months and we are probably gonna trend higher but at the same time five minutes five five percent drop last year yesterday is enough to make all of us to risk off which is selling which is good for exchanges and then risk on which is buying which is again <laughs> uh good for exchanges yeah no it's like <clears throat> it's um it's a good point. I mean, like sometimes if you have these conversations with people, they'll think that it's a little bit too conspiratorial, but it, it's a very soft market and it, it's a market where this is, 
more than any other market. I mean, it happens in other markets too, but just on a different scale and, and over a much longer period of time. Um, but it is, th this is very much, you know, to touch on initially, this is very much like a game. It's, it is a casino in that sense where they do obviously want you to continue to come back and spend your money. Um, there are obviously periods where they, they do have to protect their own ass and they do have to, you know, not, uh, sort of, you know, they have to protect themselves and, and, um, you know, risk off as well. Um, but it, it does benefit them for, for, you know, the market to continue to move up. I think that, you know, it's a, another thing is it's a very reflexive market and they know what their role is in the market. Say, exactly. you know, they, if they're public about, you know, their positioning, you know, for example, if you go back to like June, July, 2021, when FTX said that they were buyers, exactly. They 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 did they knew that by them saying that that one they had already been buying and that two that they would really help their position and they were almost guaranteed to be able to sell at a higher price because at that point it's like you can't be sort of reflex reflexively contrarian to to whales in this market saying that because who else is going to be like who are you to fade that kind of flow exactly. right? so in in legacy like if you're a trend follower like you're trying to pick up on on you know, really obscure details that might indicate that someone is buying. So like whether it's a bank, whether it's, you know, a very large fund, um, you know, some of this information is more public than others, but it's difficult to try to like ride that. But in crypto, it's basically like you're given that information and you have to make sure that you don't overthink that and like sell yourself out of that because there is a lot of free trades with that respect because again, you know, through the power of social media, through, you know, how these, you know, exchanges are perceived like people pile on and there's a really good momentum play to take advantage of, at least in the short term from that alone. Um, so I definitely uh, I definitely agree with you. And and this market is very soft and it's not, you know, it's only it's it, it to me, it seems sort of like very obvious that in a market that is not heavily regulated like this is going to be it, the possibility of this occurring is going to be, um, you know, the, obviously much greater. Yeah, and um, it's not, and also, also, I don't think it's gonna last forever. Like, no, right. like sometimes I talk to people in crypto, and they get really offended when when you say things like that. I'm like, this is the best thing that has ever happened. Right. Why Why would you get offended? This is this is basically why you are here. What you you can gain in crypto, and I mean, just even even like if you are only a hodler, you you have had made it to crazy length by by now and if if not if you just want to have fun in it this this is the best thing that you can do and it's nothing is wrong with with this because as this market matures and i'm sure it's gonna because because we can't we i mean it's been 10 years and everyone says it's er we are early I'm, I'm i'm 40 and i just two years ago i discovered crypto and and i was like this is this cannot correct this cannot be right it's gonna seriously like past two years i was like no this this is this is not what i'm saying but every day i'm like no this is exactly what it is because we are still very early and and people are scared to 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 touch something that is this volatile because they can't really stomach it so everyone who's in crypto should should know it and actually embarrass it instead of just getting offended yeah i mean yeah duke Juan is is a smart man and he's he's trying to move the market just go with it instead of you know just nagging that why is it happening it's happening because if not him someone else would do it sam did it and it was rewarding a lot for him and right. i mean look at solana 
And yeah, like, and it's it's an, another thing is it's it's possible right now. And like I would describe crypto as like the easy poker table to play at. It's possible right now because the market is still very retail driven. Um, so there's not like a crazy depth of participation like there is in in equity markets, for example. It is very retail driven here. It is why you know TA works and things are very self fulfilling. So it's it's just like it's one of the features of the game. And if you recognize that you're in a game in that sense, um, and you don't sort of like try to go against it when things change, uh, yeah, you could do really well because again, that is what is taking place to to some degree. And that's why like a couple weeks and maybe now even a month back, I said, you know, I got in a conversation with people about whether or not Doquan buying would lead to market, you know, the market moving up. And, you know, people were saying, oh, he's going to OTC. And it's like, well, yeah, if there's counterparties that are willing to just sell for that, you know, in that moment, but otherwise they're going to be buying it on exchanges. And when you buy that much BTC and everyone knows like market makers step out of the way, things pick up and it creates a short-term momentum play. And, and, you know, that's just one of the, features of this market and right now it's possible and when the market matures more there'll be less of that right it'll be it be more difficult to take advantage of those opportunities but right now it, it is again it is part of the way things work and yeah. you know if you could recognize that and take advantage of it i mean more the better right yeah it's and also i mean it's if you really think about it it's it's good for everyone like who it's even for like for me for me this is this is the best thing that they, they can happen to governments too i mean if 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 we were up only up that that time that we were only up only it wasn't that much taxable events right now with the, all the shakes all five percent now five percent tomorrow five percent the day after tomorrow and then go down and go up i just i just checked my 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 kucoin account and i was like i had 300 trades past two three months <laughs> yeah <laughs> Which is, which is, I mean, fine, because at, at the same time, if you you know what you're doing, you're making money, but you're also giving government crazy money that they haven't really done anything about it. So right. it's, it's, it's something that, that no one would, would ever, ever argue because there's as much as people think that governments are stupid and they don't know all this, they definitely have had an eye on, on this market, growing market, growing, and it's a new sentiment past 10 years. And if they, they are not participating directly, they definitely have their their fair share of, of, of benefit, which is, which is I think it's, it's, it's healthy because the, the, the only way for, for anything, and as much as, again, crypto guys like to think that Bitcoin is but gonna, you know, save the world and stuff, which I, I hope it does because I, I like it. Because I like it, but I think the the general idea ten years ago was that. But then, it's it's maturing to a market, and like every market, the market moves with with participants, and the market moves with 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 people who who buy. <laughs> and uh, at some point, hopefully, we're gonna make it to I don't know hundred k or whatever. But if even if we don't, I mean, GMT moved from seventy cents to to two dollar, and 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 50 cents yesterday just just go get some gmt and have fun you know right yeah yeah i agree with you i definitely agree with you it was good talking to you also i still say we should you should get a bike and we should we should go biking it's, hey, it's getting... I, will, I will definitely uh consider yeah. getting a bike yeah I'm, need, gonna, uh, I'm gonna send you some bike recommendations i i've been doing it for a while and i'm gonna <laughs> bike advocate nice talking, talking to you doc. yeah have a good day you too. Thank you. All right, Sam. What's up, buddy? 
Hey, how's it going? I'm the hey, uh, I'm the one that bothers you about helium in your DMs from time to time and asks you for the analysis on that. So that was me. Um, but a couple questions. One being, um, just thinking about like last year, there were um, you know multiple sort of underlying themes that drove some of the altcoins. So I think two big ones were sort of like the layer one thesis, um, which obviously played out across a bunch of tokens. And I know you're still into near. Um, which is kind of alongside that. The second one was sort of the hype around some of the metaverse tokens. Um, so I'm curious, like, if you think that those are sort of still the trends or if you see other ones emerging or not yet. Um, and as a follow-on, curious specifically, I'm, I sort of have a big stake in that. Well, not a big stake relative to some people, but for me, um, in the G-Swap and Nifty X tokens, which I feel like, it's been forever as that team's building. I don't know if you can tell your friend Josh to hurry them up, but I'm curious <laughs> if you're still looking at those two and missed, or if you think those are sort of like, you know, the boat came and came and went on those. I mean, to talk about those specifically first, uh, I know Josh would really like them to go up too. I paper hand alts very quickly um, because I am, I am more skeptical and cynical when it comes to alts. Uh, I've been around for a few cycles, so I've seen, you know, this will touch on like your question about narrative too. I've seen how narratives are really good when there are when the market is really good, right? So when when everything is moving, um, when everything is moving up and we have a rising tide, everything is moving up. And then you get to a period where you know money gets sticky in certain projects, and then you have rotations take place. So you want to be on top of what the narrative is, regardless of what it is, right? Because it's just the idea of like skate where the puck is going. So I don't know if there are any. You know, DeFi obviously has a role in the financial system. I think right now DeFi is very like um, circuitous almost. Like there's there's things that are built for traders, but I don't know if we're like seeing anything close to what would be uh, an application that would be good um, outside of crypto. Again, it's it's still very early. Um, so the, the first people to take advantage of these things are obviously traders and then you have long-term investors, but I'm not one of them. Like in, in basically anything besides, um, BTC and ETH, like I can't red pill myself enough or spend enough time to try to fool myself into being a long-term holder of things. So I very much rely on the technical side of things because I think in crypto, what has been the rule, not the exception is that price is value because it is very, very reflexive, right? So you know, I mentioned this example before, like when Apple drops 20%, you have, you know, your value investors that are like, oh no, I'm buying this no matter what, because I know this is a great long-term company and a great opportunity for me to get involved. In crypto, it's like higher prices, we get higher prices, lower prices, we get lower prices because price is perceived as value. Um, so when things begin to turn ugly, like I, I don't even second guess it. I just would rather pay the fee and slip to get re-involved with confidence when price is like beginning to perform well again, then like tell myself a story in the time being before it recovers because some things, some things never recover or some things recover, but it's like the exit pump that you're not paying attention to your computer. You know, you're not sitting at your computer for, for like, for example, some of these alts that are pumping right now, they look like exit pumps, um, you know, very like inorganic lead up and price action and then deflation after. So I, the narratives for me, it's not like, one particular narrative that I cling to or that I really believe in. Um, it is being able to stay on top of the narrative 
and not getting stuck in a stale narrative that I really want to be good at, right? So not being like the one to hold on to still sort of buying into Sol Luna AVAX when it was shifting to, you know, FTM one, you know, uh, Adam and near. So just kind of, like I said, like skate where the puck is going, not focus on what the narrative is, but rather not focus on like what seems like a strong narrative for the future, but rather focus on like what people think the narrative is right now. So uh, I'm primarily, a, you know, a, a trader in the sense that I am doing that. Like, I, I don't know if I've, I, and again, like this is something that I've, I admit all the time, like I paper hand alts because probably I don't read up enough on them to actually have conviction. But that, you know, it's worked for me, so I don't feel like changing any of that. And, and maybe something will sort of hit me on the head at some point and I'll, I'll buy into it. Um, there are things that I have like <clears throat> bags in that I won't cut just because it doesn't make sense for me to cut. But they're not like super high conviction plays like BTC and ETH. Um, right. As far as like G-Swap and, and uh, Shroom or Nifty now, um, I, I just, you know, I see like... I could see a, a future for those projects, absolutely. Um, but I, again, I just don't have the, the stomach to hold a large amount of capital down through that period where everyone else needs to catch on because there's possibility that it won't, right? So what I want to see is like the market has momentum on top of you know a good team that's producing and you know and meeting deadlines. And for me, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of an asshole in the sense that like I, I don't think it's an asshole trait, but um, there are a couple like with those particular projects, not to bash them at all, because again, like, no, I, I've seen made. them like consistently been very slow is why I asked. Yeah. Like, so when you set a date, you know, and, and you have people that are like hinging, it almost like they're hinging their livelihoods on that date leading to something. Um, and then those dates continue to get pushed off. Like, it's just not something I really want to be a part of. Right. Cause there are other teams that, there are other teams that, again, I'm not even like too invested into that they consistently produce, right? Um, so one of them is like, for example, and this is something like, I'm going to tell you right now, like it's not me shilling them because I have, like I have paper handed this a few times in between because I just get to the point where I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. This might drop yeah. 50%. Um, like FXS is a good example. Um, they have the potential for a flywheel effect, which is great, you know, in terms of narrative and, and getting, you know, and leading to higher prices, sort of like uh, engineer tokenomics, but they also have a team that has been just pounding in terms of like staying at the cutting edge, like getting things done, really focused, kind of like 20 hour workday kind of people. But I'm telling you this, not from my own research, because I have you know, I'm in a, a group of people that really know this, right? This is their sort of area of competence and I trust them to a certain degree, but you could just see the difference even in, in interacting with the team and then interacting with a team. Like, you know, again, I'm not, this is like a lot of cryptos, not just G swap or, or nifty, but who just don't put out or they're beginning to like fall off or you know, it was like even so, so even something like gaps in communication or bad sign. Um, so I don't know, I'll probably miss out on the 1000, 2000 X because I have less conviction. But at the same time, like, that's not how I approach the market anyway. Like, I don't just, you know, I don't swing for the fences. I try to, you know, compound gains in the way that I perform best. That's not air. I'm not good at analyzing projects. So, like, I'm not going to tell myself one day when I wake up, like, oh, you're a great trader. And maybe you should try to, like, figure out whether or not this is going to be the thing that is the next Amazon. Like, that's just not 
I don't have enough bandwidth or time to like invest in that. Um, but those are my, listen, those projects might turn out to be game changers, um, but I'll enter in late. You know, I'd rather be a trend follower. Like before I was a um, medium frequency trader, you know, before I traded like the ES, before I traded uh, crude oil, um, I, and this is like how everyone enters the market. You take like a trend follower approach, right? Where you're buying slightly higher, you're selling slightly lower than the top, but you're trying to capture, you know, a significant portion of the move, a decent amount of momentum. Um, and I'd rather step in at higher prices, right? I'd rather step in at higher prices and then maybe like some tailwinds behind the project um, than like, you know, continue to value average or, or you know, um, dollar cost average in something that may, you know, end up being stale. And, and uh, you know, just a good example, like I look at them now and like those those projects have, like I look at things like 2% depth, one, because I want to be able to put on something that's meaningful. I don't want to like put on a position over a couple months in something on like a, a DEX. I don't know. It's just like, I like the, I like uh, centralized exchanges because I just come from a traditional background where you're trading on an order book that you see and, and there's like a tape and all that. Um, it's just like a familiarity thing. But yeah. if you look at like the, just overall liquidity is when they start to drop around like 1 million, you know, 800,000. I'm like, uh, I don't know. That might be dead for a long time because it looks yeah. dead right now, you know? So. Yeah. It's like the difference between like trading versus like trying to be an angel investor, basically in some of those. Um, exactly. Cool. Yeah. And my second question, um, totally different. Um, and then I'll let some other folks go is one like famous last words, but, I don't know if your opinion, like it feels to me like this whole narrative of like everything has to be this like four year cycle now. And like, you know, when Bitcoin hits its bottom, it's going to be some like ridiculously low bottom. Curious if like you agree with me that that's somewhat antiquated now, given like the attention and the new types of players involved and that, 100%. you know, that that plays into why we didn't hit this ridiculous high as well. And the second thing would be, I personally hold the belief you may not, um, that eventually, even if it's for a different use case, Ethereum has an opportunity to potentially have a larger market cap than Bitcoin. Totally. I'm curious what signals you would look for if there is a flip, like there's been in the past, that it would be a sustained flip versus just, oh, the market's blowing off and there's a temporary change in leadership. I mean, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. I would just want to see that it occurred gradually rather than all at once. Um, because all at once implies all at once in the opposite direction also, you know, like I'd rather, I, I would want to see that this, this occurs gradually and it'd almost be something you wouldn't notice much because if it's going to occur gradually, it probably takes a, it probably a matter of years and not minutes and not months. Right. Yeah. Um, as far as like cycles and paying attention to, you know, previous periods, uh, I said this a couple of different ways. I, I think that everything changed March, 2020, when we had a, and we saw a bunch of new entrants from legacy enter this market, apply their approaches, their methods to this market. Um, and not to be overly simplistic, but, you know, for example, like hedge funds, fast money are one thing, long only funds are one thing. But when you have like, for example, you're going to see that the markets behave more like legacy markets now when it comes to like quarter and rebalancing. Um, you know, how they mark their books at the end of quarters, how they take profits. You're not going to see like these, the smart money, quote unquote, even though smart money is never smart money. Everyone's like, yeah, people have this idea that like, 
when people have a lot more money, they're a lot smarter with it. That's not necessarily the case. Um, they can move the market, right? And they could they have different avenues to uh, to do that than, than we do. But uh, they take, they're not going to like buy something and hold for a 20X. They're going to take profit. At, they're more than happy to capture, you know, if you're long in the S&P and, you know, your compound on your growth rate is like 8 to 13%, can't think of what it is offhand. Um, you're happy to get something that's a 2X, right? That's like, fucking amazing. So there's no way that they, they're not adding to sell pressure because they will be taking profits on the way up, right? So then you have, uh, in terms of downside, like you might have participants that now are sort of long only, you know, long-term thesis and will probably, you know, dampen volatility to the downside because they, they might be like the value buyers now in crypto where, yeah, they might have, there might be a thicker bid now moving forward. Um, more drastically, something that I noticed is like lower time frame activity, how the market behaves on the lower, you know, low to mid frequencies is different. Um, that has been distorted to some degree. And that's probably because you have, you know, players like Jump, um, players, you know, coming in like Citadel. And there's a bunch of other like legacy um, transitions that have taken place from market making firms. And again, it's their sort of footprint that would be visible if you traded like the ES or the NQ, which are not the same you know, in terms of how things behave, but uh, has sort of become more obvious in BTC as well. And again, it's just like very simply, BTC trades more like the index or the indices now as a whole uh, on the low timeframes when, when it's sort of left to it, not when it's left to its own devices, but when like nothing's taking place or when conditions are shit, you see that again, it trades sort of like the S&P. Um, so I think that <clears throat> across all time frames, there's been a different, there's been different participants that have come in. You have people that have come in with long-term beliefs that are looking to buy based on, oh, we dipped 20% ad, right? Um, yeah, because I was, I was like, I, I feel like in, in the past, like when we had everything hitting the fan with the S&P, with the Ukraine invasion, like I think an older version of BTC, like crashes harder than what we saw. You know what I mean? Totally. Like I was, yeah. I was surprised it held like it did. Yeah, I, 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 I absolutely agree with you. Um, but that being said, um, I think that that is not the case if you have, so like the whole concept of like people talk in advance about the black swans coming. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> the point is like, you can't think of the black swan right now. Like you think you think of it, but if, if you're thinking of it and a hundred thousand other people are thinking about it, they're probably already adjusting slightly and the market is pricing in that, that like potential, uh, you know, alternate reality at some point. If we do have like a black swan type of event and you have what is like contagion across markets and a liquidity crisis, then crypto crashes 10 times as hard as legacy does. Um, but it doesn't pay to really try to, it doesn't pay to like keep space in your mind for that too much, right? Yeah, like you want to make sure that like, you know, you're not over committed, like you haven't like taken out mortgages and, you know, and put it all into crypto, you know, you're not risking your kid's college fund. This is a bunch of different, you know, hypotheticals you could think of. But if we did have a liquidity crisis where there was contagion across markets, crypto is, you know, for the, the further we go into the future, the more of a case you could make for maybe diehards and really diamond hands being in this market and people less willing to sell. But for the newer fast money types, um, it's not like fast money is new when I say fast money, I mean, hedge funds, cause they've been in crypto for a really long time now. Like that's not quote, like hedge funds might fall under the 
umbrella of institutional capital, but it's, when we talk about like real institutional capital, we're talking about like sovereign wealth funds, pension funds. Um, there's like 4,000 hedge funds in the United States. It's, it's not really difficult to form one, but you're not going to do anything, right? Um, so when it, if, if it came down to like a black swan type of event, you know, again, March 2020 is a good example. Then like, yeah, it's it sell what you can sell to save what you want to keep. So what do you want? You want to, uh, do you want to hold on to your Apple position or do you want to hold on to this 1% uh, allocation in BTC? You're going to be selling everything you can, um, which is like, you know, when pe people who are newer to markets, which is a lot of people in crypto, um, during 2020, they were like, why did gold get smoked? It's like, well, gold got smoked with everything, you know, because it was sell, sell your stapler if, it could, you know, if there was a market for it on your desk. So if that happened, um, then yeah, we would see uh, it would be cataclysmic for crypto the same way. But it, but the, if you were able to buy that, if you were like, hey, you get to buy the you get to buy the S and P or you get to buy BTC, you buy BTC every time off of the lows. So yeah, cool. Thanks. No problem, Sam. Good talking to you, man. All right, Ethan, and then Daniel, and then I actually got to wrap it up. So if anyone wants to hop on after, we'll make it quick. What's up, Ethan? Hey, not much. I've uh, just had a couple quick questions. Um, I guess, do you have a preference over like which one you find better in terms of like overbought or oversold when it comes to like VWAP with like the four standard deviation or like ATR or KCV? I mean, when it's when it comes to those, I don't use those a whole. Like, it's not like those are always overlaid on my chart. Um, for my just for my settings right now just to give you them off the top uh my vwap standard deviation bands the ones that i have the ones that i show are the second third and fourth group um but yeah it's not something again that i i focus that i like can say off the top of my head like oh you always want to be buying you know you always want to be buying you know two standard deviations uh off the weekly vwap i think these are right. things that you want to like keep in mind right depending on like if we're in a ranging environment or in a trending environment, you'll, you know, you'll apply those two things differently. Um, because, you know, you could be, you know, a multi-standard deviation move, in some cases it might be worth fading, right? If price mm -hmm. has been, you know, moving within a range and, you know, has sort of an expected value rotation and then, you know, slightly exceeds that, then yeah, that might be a good fade opportunity. But then you have cases where like, if the market is like moving on a catalyst, you can't step in and be like, well, it's two, you know, it's moved two standard deviations. Right. Is good. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, the two standard deviation move is probably a good sign that this is going to continue to be, you know, it's going to rip on right. So um, those aren't things that I really lean on. You know, if I, if I'm looking at VWAP standard deviation bands, a lot of the times I'm looking at them as sort of like, uh, I'm primarily using the weekly setting and I'm using that with just one. So I have the, um, I show the band, the bands that I have highlighted that I'm most focused on are honestly, it's, it's inside of the second band. It's more or less like the value area for the weekly, uh, like imagine the weekly TPO dynamic value area. So just to have an idea of where we sit within that, if I'm looking at like a daily chart and looking at a TPO chart and I want to have an idea of where we sit with respect to the week. Um, but this, you know, some people trade primarily off of like, uh, you know, uh, volatility bands, ATR bands, um, like Jim, 
the Jim Talbot, he trades with them, I think, on the one-minute chart. Seem to be really useful for his approach. Uh, but I don't have, like, sort of a standard use for them. Gotcha. And then I guess the other thing is, like, single prints. Um, I don't know if you can, like, look at Ethereum at all, but, like, are there single prints down to, like, 3,200? And then I guess my question is, is do single prints usually like fill out obviously they didn't this time if there are any but um like you posted yesterday you want to see like a quick you know reaction out of it but do you typically see them always filling out or no i think they're healthy if they don't i think that there are situations where you would expect them to fill out um and single prints like with crypto and it's the same thing with like cme gaps there's a tendency for things to fill out because there's a ton of variance in price behavior. So okay. crypto covers a very large range. Any single print that's created to the downside, any CME gap that has ever been created to the downside, it's filled because of survivorship. Like crypto continue to go up. So at some point it's gonna you know traverse that that region. Um, when I really think that single prints are an inefficiency and they're likely to get filled <clears throat> is when they occur into a level rather than through. So if they're in a range or if they're, you know, if they're in a range or um, they're out or they're created when they're moving outside of a range, I'll have two different assumptions. And it'd just be like, it'll just be, you know, sort of like, I would assume that the one that occurs inside of the range is more than likely to be filled because it's an inefficiency within the range. Um, and price is just ranging, right? So it's, it's in fair, you know, we've established fair value um, it, it might be, it might have been like slippery behavior within the range, but it's more than likely to fill out. The cases where I'd say that it is a possibility that it's less likely, or the first priority rather is to look for it to act as support, um, or rather to look for it to act as sort of like first response, or where you would want to get involved if the market is going to trend, is if it's a breakaway gap, like if it's occurring, you know, above a range, if we've broken out of a major structure that we've been, you know, stuck within, consolidating within for. Yeah, you know, sort of like what we have been, which is the last month. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would say on balance probabilities that that might be something that is obviously less likely to get filled. It wouldn't be my first area to look at it. So it's never okay. like I see these on, you know, it's never like I'm looking at the TPO chart. I'm like, oh, single prints. Okay, we're going back there. Oh, you know, um, poor high, poor low. You have to go back there. It's just a matter of getting context and sort of being able to identify key areas on the chart where it might be good to get involved. So if we break above a range or outside of a consolidation, and that is sort of a breakaway gap, my first line of thinking is, oh, the top of those single prints is probably a really good area to get involved from a risk reward standpoint, because if we don't see a quick response there, if we hang out in the single prints, it's more than likely that we're going to break and cover those, right? So it's more than likely we'll fill that out. So it's a good area for, you know, in terms of risk reward for at least a short-term trade because of that. Uh, but within a range, yeah, you'll, you'll see that you know, that kind of inefficient move within a range is more than likely going to be, is going to be filled. So I guess I prioritize them differently depending on, you know, depending on the environment, but the TPO chart, you know, one of the, the uses of, you know, um, compressing and creating those distributions is being able to recognize whether you're in a rotational, you know, range kind of environment or a trending environment, because you're going to have very distributions, very different distributions as a result. Gotcha. And then I guess the last kind of thing here is that just like I threw up a fixed range up on Ethereum here at this like top area that we're at. Um, 
like I guess you could can like we're outside of like the fair value. Would you say you want to hold that to expand or um, where is that? Like I threw on a fixed range, like fixed visible range from like the breakout um, at like thirty two hundred to where we're at now. Oh, okay. So I, like, I think I think I I understand where you put it. Is it the consolidation before we broke down? And now we're sitting back above it. Yeah, so like the top of the fair value is basically 3,400 and we like right. got above it, came back down and tested it and shot up to where we're at now. Would you say we want to hold that? Um, otherwise, like if we do accept back within and we made our way like all the way back down, um, is that, would you say that's still healthy then or would you want to say we should hold this? I mean, for in terms of lower time, just short-term trading, I think this uh, is a, yeah. Well, it just is how I would, how I would apply, like how I would approach this. Um, you know, we broke, we were consolidating, broke down, failed to continue. And the move that followed that gapped up very, you know, gapped in the same sort of fashion, not gapped, but it was like very one-sided, but now mm-hmm. above, um, is now sitting again. Yeah. Like you said, it's above what, if you were forming a composite profile for that entire range, which would be a great range to form a composite around it's sitting at the top of value. So for this, yeah, I mean, this is a, a, I guess I would describe this as just a sign of strength, right? I've sort of drawn this, I've done live streams before where I've drawn like, what are the strongest signs of strength, in my opinion, in reversals. And that it's, that's if you have like a consolidation that, you know, price is trending down, you have a consolidation. And then in the final consolidation, you know, price no longer continues to trend down, but instead rips up and is now treating the prior consolidation as support. That's a really good sign rather than it, you know, that it's pulling back and it's shallow rather than it, you know, pulling back much further. So from a risk reward standpoint, like the top side of this structure, yeah, I think that makes this attractive for a, like if you're taking a lower time, if you're taking a short-term trade, this is a reasonable area to get involved based on that. The assumption is that if you broke down from here, yeah, you would just probably fall into that sort of well that we created in the in the consolidation, right? So if you fell back below, and the area is kind of loose, but if you broke back below like 34.4, 34, um, yeah, 34.4, yeah, then you'd more than likely, you know, range back between 34.4 and, you know, 33.5, uh, 33.50. So, I mean, it's not like a make or break situation, right? It's not like I'm looking at that and like gauging too much from the high time frame. If anything, I'm just looking at ETH right now and I'm thinking, oh, wow, ETH looks like it's potentially leading, right? ETH looks strong. Um, but you do have to keep in mind that this, like I said earlier in the screen, in the, in the, uh, uh, I'll call this a podcast or calling, I refer to it as calling. Um, <laughs> it, it could very well be, you know, the market sort of jumping to the other side of the bill right now because Arthur's article sort of struck a nerve, right? Struck a bullish nerve. Um, right. So. Yeah, I guess my my concern is just like if we did go back down and like towards the you know thirty two thirty three area, would that still be like just consolidation, or would that be like more of a deviation where we might actually go back down and test like more liquidations down below? I mean, for me, the most and I was like I, we were just talking about the small composite, right? And now you're talking about the higher. Right and now, yeah, because okay. like I, I was looking at the small one, but I'm like, if we did go lower, you know, would that lead to you know a deeper 
on a higher time frame? No. So for me, I think the more important detail to focus on is if you're looking at the higher time frame right now and you're applying sort of the same logic and saying that the composite was from, you know, 23.3 up to 20, you know, to 33.50. And now we've broken out. Could this possibly be a deviation? Yeah. But I think that the market is, and I said this a couple days ago, um, we've been range bound for a long time. This is the first significant change in market structure. It pays to, and I got out of position and got re I got back in position. So I'm a, a person too, right? Like I, I sort of respond to emotions sometimes and, and make decisions a little bit quicker, but we're on the top side of the structure from a risk reward standpoint. I think it's attractive um, in that it's attractive because it's so close to ugly, right? So the closer you are to ugly, right? The closer you are to being able to define your stop and define your invalidation, the better. Um, so if we were to lose, you know, it doesn't have to be a rule, right? But it's just, we've seen how the market responds. If we were to lose like 32, there's not really much in terms of market structure until you get back down to like 27, 28. Um, so I think that holding the top side of this, as long as that's happening, maybe it dances along the top for a bit. Um, it looks, it looks decent. Right. And it's again, it's showing some, I don't want to say it's just a sign of strength because of Arthur's article, like, you know, markets right now. Right. Again, as long as equities are looking good, I think that translates well for crypto. Um, so I don't want to overthink what price is doing right now on the low time frames, as long as it's holding the top side of its previous range. Because I think that's like the most important detail that trumps everything else. Um, and when that changes, you know, it changes and it could change quickly. Right. So last night it looked like we were going to accept back within the range. But, you know, it's it's a matter of, you know, we looked like we were and things got crowded. Everyone thought the same thing and now we're back above it. So just kind of rolling with it. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for your insight. Appreciate it. No problem, Ethan. All right, Daniel, and then I'm going to wrap it up. What's up, buddy? You're uh, still. Nervous. Hello, mate. Have you got me? Hey, what's up, man? How's it going? Hey, how you, yeah, good, mate. You all right? How are the horse races? <laughs> all right, mate. All, all good. good. How are you? You okay? Hey, good, man. No complaints. Not good. yet. Good, good. Um, I missed I missed quite a bit of the start, which is annoying because I was on a meeting, so I'm going to have to listen to that. And apologies, I'm going to ask something you've already covered. Um, but I'll be really quick, and and I've only got one question no this evening. Um. The T-wapping that's going on, obviously, Doquan, there's, there's no secret. Um, Sailor, he's, he's got 200 million, potentially what we've seen today being T-wapped in, um, hence, hence the market moving up. What do, you, what do you think happens when, when everyone who's been front-running all this money that everyone knows is coming into the market and that money's gone? What do you, th what do you think happens then? Do, do, do all the front-runners dump the bags or you know, are, yeah. we, are we in a new paradigm now? And particularly, <laughs> you know, I, it's quite concerning that the equities of are, 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 what's the S and P up off the lows like ten percent. Um, it, it's rallied significantly anyway, um, and and you know I think that's just a lot of short covering because the uncertainty with Ukraine is is now a bit more certain. But you know there's, there's still the, the the Fed rate hikes to contend with, and it just all seems a bit coincidental. You know everyone's getting bullish again, everyone's front running these bids, but when the bids stop <laughs> and equities. <laughs> wake up and smell the coffee, you know, it's a bit of a, a worrying shitstorm uh, potentially brewing. So just wanting your thoughts on that, really, see what you think. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like a, it's sort of like the elephants in the room, like the fear is like, 
if if they didn't time i mean sailor we know really doesn't doesn't matter to sailor um he's not <laughs> gonna be a, he's not gonna be a forced seller right he's oh, yeah. not gonna be a forced seller by anyone there's no like rule that says he'll have to sell he has like a lot of time ahead before he'll have to make any decisions but i think that he'll be okay i think that mm-hmm. sailor will in the end be vindicated and um do really well because i mean i would have to assume that because i have a long-term view on btc that's higher yeah. than here um but Dopon's another one. Like I think in this market, it's you're seeing like a little bit of an ego game. I mm. I think Dopon did, you know, Dopon didn't get involved where Sailor did. So his average price, his cost base is really local, which is not good, right? Because that's potentially like, you know, that's a big seller that could come into the market now. And, and they've already said, said that, that you know they've already said that they'll do that to prop up UST. So you know right. he's far more likely to to liquidate than Sailor. Right. So I don't know. I think I think that's one of the dangers of this market, right? That there isn't like uh, someone who step who can step in and, and say like, hey, this is not um, permissible, even though like it's not necessarily that that, that can happen. But mm-hmm. it is it's a little bit more easy for these things to take place. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, you just want to you just hope that it was timed appropriately and, and informed for for good reason right Mm -hmm. because it does rely on prices aren't going to just hang out here unless they're you know either there's a continuous bid or continuous buyers um this market has like a tendency to kind of like roll over on itself when you reach the last buyer like markets do like it's just Mm -hmm. it's like concept of auction market theory like one of the core concepts um so you you hope that things were timed right because you at this point with one you know, he bought, okay, so he bought uh, only a portion of what he said he wants to buy. He said he wants to have $10 billion worth of BTC. I think he bought um, 1.3 now or 1.2. I don't remember. Where it yeah, there's about 800 mil left in his wallet. So there's still, you know, there's still a bit more to bid. Yeah. So I think he bought 27,000 Bitcoin so far. Um, so arguably, if he was to continue to buy here, prices would go up more, right? And it's, it's because the market would respond to that and pick up on that. And again, sort of got into why this becomes reflexive, but without people stepping in continuously behind that, then yeah, you run into, you run into trouble. I think that, again, I think that one, you have jump that is doing the execution. I think that he has people hopefully around him that are saying, Hey, like, you know, there's, there's a chance that, you know, high probability that we do go test lower again and maybe you want to average out your buying a little bit better and a little bit sharper um save some gunpowder or save some dry powder for down there mm-hmm. but who knows you know it, there is always the risk because and it was a risk like first discussed when sailor got involved it was like oh this is great but this guy is one of the, you know he's a huge seller sale risk yeah yeah so i mean one thing that's always a good thing in crypto because you always have like the whales that haven't done anything with their btc in a long time but they're so in profit that it's not their life. There's no improvement on their life for them to sell, right? You can imagine yeah. they've already changed their lives are over. They're billionaires already in USD. They don't need to sell that BTC. And those are long-term, obviously that, that long-term conviction is also because they, it's just out of, you know, they don't need it. Um, so I am more worried about someone who it's, it is something that I think of someone who gets involved locally right meaning like we're still kind of around where he got involved yeah and, uh, and that is and, always a risk and and, and 
so long term aside, um, you know, assume none of them liquidate, which you know I think is a reasonable chance to be honest. So long term aside, in, in the short term, once once Dolquan's out of his powder um, and Sailor's out of their powder for now, um, and the T wapping stops, everyone who has been front running this bid all the way up from when Dolquan first announced the bid. You know, is, is that a concern for you that everyone then just dumps and, and we go back into the lower range, particularly if equities, you know, start coming back off the highs as well? Or are you not concerned about that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think I think a lot of it is, I think all a lot of most of this is related to just the markets as, markets as a whole being risk on, right? Uncertainty is, was removed for, you know, a long time. We were waiting for the first rate hike. Mm-hmm. A decent amount of uncertainty was removed. There's been back and forth between the war in Ukraine, between Ukraine and Russia um, that we've seen has led to movements in the markets almost right away. Um, so, yeah, I think at a certain point you reached the level where people, you know, they get impatient or they take profits. And then it, you see what happens is like first a few people start taking profits and the larger money takes profits and then things un- unravel it will, and it'll continue to do that until, yeah, we have. I think that I think we're I don't think like we've I don't I, I shared something the other day and I forgot what it was specifically, but it was like, you know, what probability do you think there is that we retest like 40 or 42? I think we do. Like, I don't think we put in. I don't think we've like never. I don't think we're in a position right now where it's like we're never going to see 42. Five <laughs> you know, I think we're going to see it in the near future. So, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Like, I, and I think a lot of people. I've not really seen this narrative floated. I don't know if the Twitter algo is just pr- producing up only stuff to me, but I've, you know, I've not really seen anyone question what happens when the powder is dry, um, and you know, th- th- there's no more, there's no more t-wapping for a while. Particularly if that's coinciding with equities going. Hang on, we've right. we've 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 took an eye off Ukraine and Russia. That's great. We've gone up, but now let's refocus the lens and refocus the narrative on potential fifty bit hikes on consecutive months. And you know, you see right. a bit of a drawdown there, and everyone who's front run all this Doquan buying just goes, "Hang on, I'm out of this." And you know, we're back in the low range. I'm not seeing that floated, and it's just I don't know. I think it's a big risk, and with the ETH stuff going on, ETH BTC ripping. Arthur say the, the Arthur Hayes article was was, was excellent. It was just like, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of feeling a bit bearish. <laughs> I don't know yeah, if I've got PTSD, though. <laughs> no, it's, I, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I think that the one benefit, I guess, the silver lining is right now, like he says he wants to buy more. So yeah, at least in, in terms of perception, the perception is that at any point, like if you're not buying, maybe Doquan is, right? So mm. I don't think there's the same kind of like shock that the market experiences that will probably occur like let's say he said i only want to buy one billion dollars worth of btc and we all yeah. see that he did and then it's like a day goes by two days, two days <laughs> goes by and then we're like oh shit we're just okay. kind of look at each other going we yeah. need to get out now <laughs> so this, you know it's the same phenomenon that happens on the low time frames just scaled up like when there's an elon musk announcement like in the middle of the bull market elon musk announcement everyone buys in right and then it's like don't be the last to take profit because it's going to just come all the way back down because it's not going to sustain a continued move up. Um, so, you know, another thing though is like what these billionaires are doing to some degree, it's a bit of game theory. You know, the more of them that get involved, the more, I guess, the potential increase, the increase that other 
billionaires sort of race to get involved as well. And there's sort of like this, you know, um, uh, like a sense of, of urgency to buy BTC while it's still available. You know, there's only so many on exchanges. The whole narrative of fixed supply assets is a good case for it right now in terms of, mm. you know, how its monetary policy is with respect to how monetary policy is conducted and, you know, everything else. So that always exists, right? You always might be giving up your opportunity to someone else who's willing to buy at these prices. But I think the rule has been that markets are correlated and that we saw BTC move up with equities. And if equities like lose their floor, like, yeah, the Bitcoin's going to lose its floor too. So, yeah, and, don't, and then the don't come. listen, at the end of the day, like, I'll, I'll ride the momentum from him, mm, but yeah. I think he's like a, he's a computer scientist. He's not a trader. Um, and I think that no matter who you are, like the one thing you always have to combat in any area of your life is your ego. I think he's got an ego. So, um, yeah, I spoke to, um, I just, I, I'll, I'll wrap this up now, but I, I think you'll find this interesting because I've seen you tweet about it. Uh, I spoke to, I just DM'd, similar to the way I just DM'd you randomly once, I DM'd Jordi Alexandra. Um, oh, yeah, I talked you know, to Pope, you. We talked. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I asked him just, you know, because he's a game theorist, obviously. I, I, I asked him what, what he's thinking was behind what Do Kwan was doing, and, you know, he had a really interesting thought on it that, that he's just he's just doing it to make Luna so so loved by the community that in the event that this thing starts unraveling and people start calling it Ponzi, people jump in. Um, so he's trying to get everyone on side by making everyone feel rich again, which was an interesting an interesting thought. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, <clears throat> so he's not even been... bothered about best execution. He's just bothered about pumping everyone's bags, everyone feeling happy, everyone loves him, everyone loves Luna. We're off to the races again, <laughs> but my yeah. concern is, you know, it's not going it, to. Like you say, he's not a trader, and and it, it probably won't fall out like that. So, cautiously yeah, I mean, optimistic. I've talked to talked to him. Uh, we're in a, a small group together, um, but there's another very well known person in this market who has his thesis, like verbatim, is that he thinks that this is all like a song and dance to support the price of Luna, and that it's honestly he thinks. And this is a person who's a um, a nine figure, probably ten figure person at this point that everyone is aware of. He thinks that um, it's so he could distribute more Luna into better prices uh, and have the best, um, and, and that this is all meant to have more market impact and not best execution because it is sort of like a marketing gimmick. So yeah, it's not. You never know, like you never. Know. You do like, never know. You do never know when you when you a, go down the rabbit all, hole of of game yeah, theory, questioning everything. Good stuff. Well, it is. It is. Well, listen, I've I've taken off of your time. I appreciate it as always. Um, always I'll jump pleasure, off. Man. Yeah. All have right, a good there, weekend. Guys. Cheers, good all. To you, man. Take care, mate. Bye, bye. You too. All right, guys. Uh, if that is it, and uh, no one else will volunteer. Wrap it up. I think what we go over just an hour and a half. Um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I hope you guys have a great weekend. I want to say, like, someone asked me, you know, do we think that crypto is going to like continue to rip up on the weekend? Because I, I think like um, the correlation has made weekends probably a bit more boring. I mean, Sundays are the worst day. I think Sundays and Monday. I, I can't remember. I have the heat map of uh, it. Year to date, Sundays are, are, I think Sundays are the worst day um, in terms of realized volatility. But, I, you know, Sundays and Saturdays, Saturdays and Sundays, weekends in general, are 
they're known to be thinner environments, right? You have less people trading. It's easier to like unstops. This is something that was popular in foreign exchange. Um, sort of banks pushing around, central banks pushing around uh, prices. But in crypto, it's kind of like you have thinner conditions now, but you also have less participation because it has become sort of more like tr legacy. So it's almost like the weekends are, I don't know, are they more boring now? It's like, you, I, I honestly like, I feel like I still am in like a habit of <clears throat> um, looking at the market on Saturdays and then I'm like, why am I even doing this? Like, why don't I just come back on Sunday evening? Uh, because there have been some pretty good mechanicals, mechanicals, more than mechanical setups on Sundays. Uh, for a while, it was like if you just longed into the futures open, like in an eight-hour window, or around eight hours pre-futures open, there was a um, positive expected return in that period. And then if you just sold right after futures opened, um, there was a positive expected return in a short period after that. So, yeah, um, I would just enjoy your weekend. Don't focus on the market. Uh, I will talk to you guys on call-in next week. Um, my DMs are open again, though. They're crowded with people that it's very difficult for me to keep up my DMs. I get probably 100 DMs a day. Um, and I know some of you guys probably DM me and I, I don't respond. Um, I don't mean to not respond. I, I just have to. It's kind of like my what my email box became at one point, which was like me just not deleting them. And that accrued more. And then next thing you know, you got 18,000 emails you didn't delete. But there's just hundreds of messages from like projects and Hey, have you checked out this and check out my NFT? And it's just everything gets lost in the noise. But um, I try to I try to answer them. Uh, but yeah, enjoy your weekend. I'll talk to you guys next week. And this will be posted on. Um, it should be posted by the end of the day. All right. Have a great uh, Have a great weekend. I will talk to you guys soon.